Welcome and great to have you join us as we go off script with Sam Monk, Senior Leader of Equippers Church. Enjoy today's podcast. Well, welcome back to another episode of Off Script with Sam Monk. And today we're joined with Sam Monk, but also his father, Bruce Monk. And if you've been following the last few podcasts, we've been opening up the conversation with uh, Pastor Bruce uh, about his journey uh, as from going from a farm owner at a young age to then feeling called to the ministry and some of the uh, early churches he had to lead and then arriving in Auckland. And you can read a bit more about that journey in his book, Paved the Way. Also, um, I recommend you get your hands on it. Uh, but today on this episode, what we really want to do is look at an uh, important part of, I guess, a, uh, a part of our journey as a church was actually the moment when Pastor Bruce and Pastor Helen felt the call uh, to explore what God had put on their hearts in terms of uh, churches in other other parts of the world, and in that time, handing the leadership of the church on to Pastor Sam, who was at a young age then. The transition was about 20-odd years ago now, but um, I think there's some lessons we can all learn from in this journey, especially when it comes to transitioning ministries from one person to another. But Pastor Bruce, do we want to start? with you, uh, share your kind of part of that journey, and then Pastor Sam, it'd be good to hear from you as well, uh, what it was like from your end picking that up. Great, good good subject, it's a subject which I think is really important, especially uh, in church life today, because a lot of guys aren't transitioning uh, well, and you would love to sometimes have a little spoken to their world, <laughs> um, but uh, it's important that we do transition well. Uh, one is that we knew from the last episode that we were called to go to London. Uh, the big question was who would take on the church here in Auckland. We needed to do it right. At the time, uh, I always felt it was premature for Sam to take it on because at the stage he was 25 years of age but then the Holy Spirit spoke to me and uh, in it he reminded me of what my father uh, helped me to achieve by putting me on a farm so you need to go back to the first episode to pick up the the age of 22 and uh, he then also um, reminded me just of how important it was even though Sam was 25 I could really reposition him and uh, Sam had a significant call we've got four kids uh, and he was the one who had had an encounter when he was eight or nine I can't remember the exact age it was, yeah and so um, in that uh, he'd had a dream he came to my bedside at six o'clock in the morning used quite strange language for a, an eight-year-old he said I've had a dream, Dad, what is going to become of me? And it was, you know, pretty heavy language for an (laughs) eight-year-old. And so, uh, but I knew from that point on that there was, not that God's hands, not on the others, but there was a specific call in his life that we needed to somehow fashion and direct. And so he came on staff after going through uh, getting his degree or part of that process and then, uh, so this was not, uh, 2000 when we we're going through the struggle. Uh, so we got a witness, Helen and I, that's right. <laughs> or struggle, grapple, <laughs> you know. Um, uh, so um, Helen and I felt it was right. Then we went to the elders, and the miracle is, and I'm just saying, you've got to remember, he's 25 years of age. The church was significant size. We had a Bible college. Uh, the social ministries had developed, and so there was things happening. Um, and so 
uh, the elders actually endorsed it. And then I went to the national leadership team and shared what I wanted to do. And that was the miracle because <laughs> that's where we got a complete endorsement from them. No one questioned it. I think they were quite pleased that I was leaving the country anyhow because <laughs> I was a bit of a provoker. But anyhow, that's another subject. Um, but so that's when Sam was commissioned in uh, February 2001. And just, just to stop you there, that process of, of how you went through eldership uh, movement, I know, Sam, for you, you've talked about that significant part of your appointment there so do you want to just quickly talk yeah. through that yeah that was big just from the side of you know uh, you didn't want it to be nepotism and sadly a lot of transitions you know can be influenced by family connections and I believe in generational blessing you know from fathers to sons and and and, and that all taking place but um, for us to go through that process where the elders and then the movement leaders uh, were in agreement with me leading the church. You know, I had a, um, I knew I had a call. I didn't know how it'd be outworked um, through just my degree, studying the ministry and seeing God's favor on it, and then leading um, more areas of the church and seeing things progress and move forward. You know, it was it was almost like I was just taking step after step, and it was like God was directing me in that time. But having the elders agree and the movement leaders agree um, meant that I knew with a greater level of certainty it was a God thing because your father always believes the best for you and wants the best for you Um, but it wasn't his positioning and uh, them having agreements around that just actually gave me a platform of confidence to be able to lead the church. So Sam was given the platform as a senior minister so he was now chairing the elders. Uh, I had an apostolic covering over the church, which was more to serve, um, to be there. Um, but he was leading the eldership. He was given the freedom, support, to create his own vision and direction. There were some things that we had in place that weren't going to serve the future, that we had to adjust. Um, and so we had to go through that process. And that was quite painful at the time. Yeah, uh, because there, was a, there was a group of leaders, you know, who were really attached to Bruce. And we'd, you know, uh, we've been... The, the, the good thing I appreciate is... Um, my father opened his journey, leadership journey, to me from a young age, and so I felt very much part of what was going on, and we had planted some churches around Auckland, and these leaders were definitely attached to Bruce more than me. They were starting to form and develop their own culture, and uh, I really felt to really move forward, it's like either they buy in or would best to release them to actually um, become autonomous in their own in their own right and so you know navigating that there's you know those, co- those conversations <laughs> you know and they were tough yeah yeah they were tough and they were tough on probably Sam they were tough for me because I was at a distance at the time to but just to navigate it and one of the things in transitions is especially if you are the one who's initiated the transition is you've got to maintain integrity because if there'll always be cracks, Sam won't do things completely right or the same as what I think. But if I was going to look for any gap, 
or that people would point out, the whole thing would fall apart really quickly. So I knew that my commitment to this and maintaining integrity to support his vision was paramount. And there came a point where Sam got sick. Uh, he was very sick for a period of time. For me, I was in London at the time. I had to come back to New Zealand. Uh, he was in a serious position um, as far as his health was concerned. I remember coming back in the plane and feeling the pain of it. Had I precipitated this? Had I put too much pressure on him emotionally? And so was this, now I can't answer those questions, but they all went through my mind because he was young. Uh, the responsibility was this. And um, I remember walking into his room, arriving back from London, and the only word I got as I walked through the door is the Holy Spirit just said, I'm in this. And so I just accepted it. He went through hell. <laughs> he, went, he, he went through hell, um, and it was not a nice journey to watch. For those who don't know, I got diagnosed with an incurable disease um, that caused my um, intestines to perforate, and my whole body was full of septicemia. Uh, well, I had septicemia, blood poisoning, and it was a long process. Um, but that's another podcast in itself. <laughs> Probably a good podcast. Um, and so I uh, remember, I think it was, I don't know, 40-something days that he was seriously sick. I walked into the room, so this is from my point, and the Holy Spirit just spoke to me and said, I've finished. So remember, I'm in this, and then the next thing, I'm finished. So I went up to Sam and I said, I, I believe God's going to heal you. <laughs> Remember praying for him with full of face. And <laughs> within 12 hours, he was in a serious, serious condition to the point where he then had septicemia. They had to give him a blood transfusion. He was on the point. So everything actually went horribly wrong after my prayer of healing. <laughs> Again, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, and, and so, you know, it was, but, but I knew that God on his side had done what God wanted to through that in Sam's life. It was like one of those moments where God wanted to develop something. He was using this uh, to put something in Sam and only he can answer that. I'm not going to put go into that. But that was an important part. And then I think out of that area, Sam came through it with more clarity of direction, authority, and his own leadership. And so that was important. That was an important transition. For me, on my side, going to London, I think the distance was important. I think some people want to stay in the church uh, and still be there. They also want to be on the salary of the church uh, in their transition. On the uh, payroll, yeah. On the payroll, uh, whereas the first year we were supported, but not long after that uh, we became missionaries of the church and so not on the payroll of the church or in the uh, the budget that way and the church have always looked after us as good missionaries that's yeah. that's really important because I've seen this go askew in many other places um, and with the transition naturally there's going to be um, a change you know personnel um, and sometimes the church uh, can go through a little bit of a dip uh, and if the senior minister is still, the previous senior minister is still on a salary, um, you know, the first question that gets asked by the eldership is, 
hey, we're paying this guy still, and he he's not having direct input in, into the church. And so, you know, then I've I've had many people have to have awkward conversations about, hey, well, we no longer can can support you. And so, right at the start, the elders, you know, decided, hey, the best way that we could support Bruce's future ministry, and what it looked was actually through our missions budget. Which you know, which was the way that we could empower him to do what he was doing in Europe, in in London, in Europe. And that's significant, very important point. If people wanted to discuss that more, Sam and I'm open to take people through that. But if they're on a point of transition, I think there's a point where uh, the previous senior minister does need to leave. Uh, I would definitely recommend a year, but probably more. I don't think you can do it properly within a year. Um, well, and a lot of people are asked us, how did it work? And, you know, the answer's been, well, Bruce was in London for eight years. And, uh, <laughs> <laughs> and there was distance because there's this natural deference. Like if a new leader's making a decision, people are naturally going to defer and go, well, what did, what did the old leader think about this? And if there's any moment of hesitation, as Bruce said, if there's any gap or crack there, that causes people to second guess. And, you know, that's what you don't want to do, especially if you're, you're leading the church forward. And I really appreciated Bruce coming back when he did come back. Um, he simply did what his father did to him <laughs> about how can I serve, but through the process of serve, he was guiding and leading in that space as well. And I think that gives security to the church as well. And so we've got to take into account uh, this, the church as well as like the elders agreed, the NLT agreed, but the church embraced them. Um, but the security for the church was also me. The fact I was there, but I was not imposing over Sam. I came under him, and I think that brought great security to the church. When I did come back from London, I think seven or eight years after, one thing I didn't want to do, and I just knew it was wrong, was to come on the staff. It was a decision. It was not not that I didn't like it. It's just that I didn't think it was right to. Um, I've maintained my uh, place on the eldership of the church, but I've only done that because I felt that, okay, if I can give something in this time, I'll do it. Um, but I can serve Sam. I have no problem serving. Um, and I think that that's the big thing. But if you have this attitude that you're coming, you're going to impose over, it will never work. And has Sam done everything right? No, probably not. Does, does he do everything the way I think it should be done? Absolutely not. <laughs> but that's not the issue. The issue is he's got to find his own level of leadership. And it's not for me to dictate in that. I might question him on stuff, but in the end, I know that I can back back and let him make a call. Yeah, a big thing is, and this has only worked, is because we've had, we have had the ability to have robust conversations. Yeah and arguments and um, yeah he comes strong I come strong and, <laughs> and you've got to remember leadership yeah. you've normally got strong personalities and that's why you've got to really govern this right so therefore like for the staff if I came on the staff I would be too interfering I just knew it <laughs> I know my personality It'd be a pain in the bum <laughs> <laughs> uh, and, and, and so so you're better to remove that than create another problem 
and and that's so you've got to make decisions that really help you to navigate your future. And for me, I think I've been really good at transitioning. Uh, I think Helen, both her, my wife and I, and we, we've transitioned even future to the leadership of the movement. Um, and I think we've been good at transitioning. But that, what, when you transition, you create a void because you're leaving. So that void for me was filled by Sam. But I also am progressive. So I've got to ask myself, what am I going into? Yeah. I think um, mum puts it really well. Um, she often uses a statement, it's not about what you're leaving, it's about where are you following. And so you've had um, clarity about what you're going to. And I think a lot of leaders hold on because they don't have clarity about what the future looks like. And also, I think a lot of it's about money. I'll just be out frank. I think people are wanting the financial support. That's not... I'm not saying that's not important, but I think we've got to be careful. And I look from our transitioning, God has never left us in a financial situation. We've just got faith that God's our provider and he's looked after us, the church here has looked after us. Uh, but, you know, people have looked after us. And when you're entering into someone and someone still sees that you've got a benefit, um, and I know where I am now. I don't want to pastor a church. <laughs> uh, I don't really, it's strange. I, I, I look at where I am. Uh, I don't, you know, from being conceptual to being involved in administration to know how all that process works, I don't want to be in it anymore. Yeah. I just don't want to. I just, it does not, in a way, it, doesn't do anything for me but, now. But, but there's an age as well. Yeah, there's an age thing, but yeah. I just don't want to, I just don't feel as though that's where I'm connected. But to sit down with a young person or to sit down with a pastor that's transitioning, that's where my grace is. I don't need a position to do that. I can sit down at a table. And well, I, well, what would you say the age, you know, because you've even said to me before, you know, there's, you know, for a ministry that's growing, you know, there's many different things you need to, you know, think about. And as you grow older, you don't actually have the same amount of energy. Well, it's not so much energy. I think you have energy, but you've got to be careful that you're not. I, I would probably use the word, I think I'm relevant, but you're not relevant. Does that make sense? <laughs> you, you, you know, because, because you know where you're going, I think I've got a useful heart and I can relate to young people, but I'm not relevant. I could not have led this church into shout. I don't have the relevancy to do that uh, or, or, or the gifting to do it, to be honest. Um, I look at COVID and what it went through. Now, I would have put my head down, my bum up, and we would have processed it through. But when I look at how Sam governed the church through shout, I, I, I don't think COVID. That, COVID. Uh, COVID. I, I don't think I have the great... And, and I think it's those sort of questions you've got to be frank about and you've got to answer properly. And, but uh, there's a period, you'd say, in terms of senior leadership in a I church. Th I, think, I think you've got to be careful once you're in your 60s. You've got to start to say, OK, what's my next season? I think in your late 50s and around about 60, if you can transition in your mind well, there's no reason why you can't minister for another 15 to 20 years. But it will look different. 
and that's a big issue. I think one of the things that you've been able to do is um, prepare in advance for a season that yeah. you're entering into. Um, and I think that's really, really critical. You know, the old bell curve is, is you change on the way up, not once something plateaus. And I think, you know, I, I, that's, that's a big issue because a lot of guys wait to something plateaus and the old adage is, you know, they're tolerated rather than celebrated. <laughs> and um, I think, you know, being able to recognise what is the right season to transition is is a critical thing as well. And we put in our mind, and I don't want to build a doctrine around it, but I think we have seven-year cycles. And I'm, I think you could build a, definitely a concept around it, but seven-year cycles, the beginning of that seven-year cycle, so we'll take Sam, takes over the church, he's full of faith, he's getting vision, uh, he's having to depend on God, you get to about the fifth year, six years, you've got some traction, you know what you're doing, seventh year, well, if you're not reinventing yourself at that point in time and finding something, okay, what's God taking the church and what have I, you, what you do is you become predictable, boring, and that's where people lose traction and become institutionalised. And, and my thing is I've watched those seven-year periods of my life and I think that when you know where you're at, they are important because you make adjustments. And what I find with a lot of Christian leaders is they get bored and I think that seven-year cycle, um, what brings you into a new season is an encounter, uh, is, is, is revelation, because you have a revelation and you've got three or four years, you're, you're, you're um, responding in faith to that revelation and you're seeing the outworking of it. But by year six, seven, is like, hey, you need a new revelation. To and you, seven years, you're not building... But it's a roundabout. I think there's a seven-year cycle. And that's why I think sabbaticals are good for ministers, done right, not just a holiday. You know, you're looking and saying, OK, wh where's, where's God right now pushing a refresh button for me and looking at it and understanding what that looks like for who you are, where God's taking you into. Writing a book has been good for me, um, you know, in this period. And I'm writing another one at the moment, which on the reformation of a movement, which is probably me putting down what I should put on paper for the future rather than because I have things in my mind that no one else has and how we were led to where we are. And I'll put that down. How that's interpreted doesn't really worry me. It's what how I viewed it in those particular stages, um, and and that's what transitions are all about, you know. And I celebrate. I just love what God is doing with equippers around the world. It's gone way beyond what I could ever comprehend or understand. And I say to people, the miracle I celebrate that is every equippers church bar one around the world, not New Zealand, but every nation is led by a national. The only place where that's not happening is Mexico, but the guy's been there almost 30 years, <laughs> so he's very Mexican anyhow. Um, but I think that's a miracle. That shows the hand of God on equippers. And that's, that's where I think you look and you celebrate. And those key, and I'm going to use the word apostolic leaders that God has positioned around the world. If they can touch God, and I'm using the word if, 
I pray they will. I believe in them and we believe in them. But if they can touch God, you imagine the miracle of exponential growth that can flow from Hungary, Slovakia, into Czech Republic, Poland. You imagine what could happen just in that hub. You imagine what happened now. You know, a few years ago, we hardly had anyone in Germany. Now they are saying we have 2,000 people connected with equipment churches in Germany. But you imagine that's just the edge. You've got three significant hubs there if they were to multiply. And that's my dream. That's, that's a big thing. And, you know, I think you've used Bishop Orange yeah. where he says you can count the, the pips in the orange, but you can't count the oranges in a pip and that's what we're believing for for future generations yeah yeah well thank you so much for your time both Bruce and Sam and unpacking that journey and you can get your hands on uh, Pave the Way from Pastor Bruce and also at monkministries.com you can get uh, Pastor Helen's resources there as well but thank you so much for the conversation over the last few weeks uh, Pastor Bruce in a later time I'm sure we'll pick this conversation back up again but it's been good uh, having you both here and we'll be back uh, next week or next time I should say with uh, another episode of Offscript with Sam Monk Amen Thanks for listening to Offscript with Sam Monk If you found this podcast helpful make sure you pass it on We love your feedback, so drop us a line about what topics you'd like to hear about on Offscript with Sam Mike.